Oh. Wow, this feels different, doesn't it? Welcome, Party Crashers, to another episode of The Uninvited. This is your host, Jerry, and... You know, I've been playing around with this garage band thing, and I think it's going to be a hit. However you found this, I'm so glad you did. Um, Click subscribe so you don't miss another one of these, and uh, give us a five-star rating, because... Who really wants four stars, right? Five stars is love. Four stars is the friend zone. You all know the drill. Hey, so as as you see, I am still working on this whole walk-up music um, kind of outro music kind of thing. This is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, it, it, it really hasn't, though, been a whole lot of fun. <laughs> Like in the news, and there's so much to talk about. There's some things that I, I would love to be able to get into that I just don't have the bandwidth to get into. Um, uh, Brett Kavanaugh in the news again. Apparently, Brett Kavanaugh um, trying to get you know his comrades on the Supreme Court of the United States to to avoid you know he, he, Brett Kavanaugh is doing the whole work avoidance thing, and and I get it. I mean, during quarantine, I think all of us have done a little bit of work avoidance, but when you're a Supreme Court justice, though, you kind of need to to kind of be on point for a little bit, right? Um, so trying to convince folks not to, to bring up, you know, uh, issues on the docket like abortion and, you know, your boss's, well, actually, it's not his boss. Uh, Supreme Court does not work for the president despite the fact that Trump nominated Kavanaugh. But Kavanaugh was was really trying to get Trump's financial records uh, not to, you know, to come up before the court this year. I would love to be able to get into that. Um, hell, I'd love to be able to get into Bill Barr. Um, <clears throat> you know, he, he uh, testified in front of the House Judiciary Committee on Monday. Um, and, you know, he had to he had to give an account to his use of federal troops on peaceful protesters. And um, can I just give a shout out um, to uh, Representative Jayapal from uh, state of Washington? I think she really expressed the mood, everybody's mood. She's like, I'm about to lose my patience with this guy. I'd love to be able to get into all that. But uh, it's kind of hard to get into that stuff when here we are. Um, we're damn near the end of the month of July. And um, we still have not figured out COVID. And it's a problem. It's a problem. Um, we're almost at four and a half million cases. I think as of uh, yesterday, we were at, what, 4.46 million? We've lost over 150,000 people to COVID. 152,000 people have died. And uh, the White House still doesn't seem to have a clue. I should note, though, I should note, there's a lot of things that the president has done wrong, and we're going to get to that here in a second. Uh, there's a lot he's done wrong, um, but one of the things that I I cannot put on him 
is the allocation of CARES Act dollars. The odds are that if you're in a major metropolitan city in the United States, your city or your county has received millions of dollars, in some cases, tens of millions of dollars, um, to fight COVID-19. Um, and if your city or county is anything like the city and county I live in, I live in Kansas City, Missouri, in Jackson County, which if we're going to start talking about changing names, maybe we should change our name. We're named after Andrew Jackson, which will probably come up later on in this episode. Um, but the money is not going out the door. And the money that is going out the door isn't necessarily going to fight COVID. For instance, in the state of Missouri, $15 million of the CARES Act dollars that could have gone to help smaller cities, smaller counties in the state of Missouri, $15 million has gone to promote tourism to Missouri. No one is traveling to Missouri, okay? No one was coming to Missouri pre-COVID. And now that we're on the pretty much every state that has a very assertive um, COVID-19 effort, we're not allowed to go there. So they sure as hell aren't coming here. So $15 million. So the point is, you could be mad at the president for a lot of things. Your local COVID response is not one of them. If you've got a problem with how things are running at the local county or state level, you need to be looking at your local elected officials. Put the pressure on them. This is not on the White House anymore. And it hasn't been uh, probably since the end of April, early May. I'm just telling you the truth. Okay? Be mad at Trump for... Jesus Christ. Be mad at Trump for coming back to... I thought we had buried the hydrochloroquine thing. I thought we had gotten past it. I thought we had gotten past him, you know, basically um, prescribing the My Big Fat Greek Wedding remedy. Uh, wasn't he saying like to inject Win Windex or something into our, into, our, uh, into our bloodstream? I thought we were past the hydrochloroquine thing. But then he's got to go and do that thing. And... If, if there were a segment of the show, if there were a segment of the show, uh, I, would I would call this segment of the show, Why They Gotta Be Black. Because I had heard that the president had shouted out this doctor who he was saying, yep, this doctor is on top of it. This doctor, she knows what she's talking about. And I'm like, wait, is he talking about Dr. Deborah Burks? Because Dr. Deborah Burks has been on top of this from the jump. But no, no, no. He was referring to Dr. Stella Emanuel. Now, Dr. Stella Emanuel, um, you know, she has, I mean, she's maybe, I would say, for, for those who are less inclined to believe that COVID is as serious as it is, um, Dr. Stella Emanuel is their Anthony Fauci. Okay. Um, and, um, uh, Dr. Sola Emanuel has been very upfront about the fact that she just doesn't see 
that masks are, are effective. And to her credit, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, um, many experts were saying they didn't believe that anything that was below an N95 would be effective. Many of them have, you know, changed their mind on that. Uh, Dr. Sel Emanuel's held firm on that. Um, but that's not a big deal. Um, you know, some people believe masks work. The evidence seems to suggest that it does, but there, there are plenty of professionals who don't believe that. That's not a, I don't, I don't, on, on the scale of, of things, I don't think that's that big of a deal. Some of you might disagree with that. Um, she is, however, and I think this is what definitely makes her the darling of, of the, of the conservative right. Um, she's in favor of hydrochloroquine. And, um, she claims that, you know, you know, her colleagues have taken it and no one's getting sick. Um, and it's like, okay, I mean, she's a doctor. She has a right to her, uh, professional opinion, obviously. Um, but that, not, not even that is in the why she got to be black, um, category. There are plenty of medical professionals who believe that hydrochloroquine could work. Don't know how credible they are, but there, there are those out there who, who believe it. Um, no, that's not what qualifies her for the why she got to be black. Can I just stop and say, I don't want anybody to at me, okay? Um, what, and when I say that, in the black community, we, whenever something crazy happens... A lot of us, before we see a picture or hear the name, we're just hoping, please, please let them not be black, right? Because, and this gets into the whole, and you know, and maybe we'll touch on it later. There's this whole notion. One of the one of the racist ideas. Shout out to Dr. Ibram X. Kendi. Um, if you've never read or listened to Stamp from the Beginning. Or how to be an anti-racist. I cannot recommend um, Dr. Kennedy's books enough. Um, but the notion of the model Negro is a racist idea that many of us in the black community hold just because of the experience. Um, I guess what I'm saying is that it's, you know, our experience growing up and living as, as um, black people in the United States... Um, has forced us to embrace um, some ideas that are really not true, shouldn't be true. I shouldn't say they're not true because I believe they are true, but they shouldn't be. And one of them is that you have to work twice as hard to get half as much as a, a black person in America. And one of the things that happens whenever something crazy happens in the news, I will never forget um, the DC sniper you remember the DC sniper? Um, during that time, you know, in the beginning, I was just convinced that, you know, the person was white. Because it's a sniper. We don't do that. So, I mean, in, in and of itself, that was a racist idea. Like, it, it couldn't possibly be a black person. We wouldn't do anything like that. We don't do that stuff, right? Um, so when we found out he was black, I was devastated. I was absolutely devastated. Um, 
to find out that that a black man was doing this. Um, so I'm saying that to my disappointment, I was shocked to find out that the doctor that Donald Trump was referring to was not white, but was black. Um, and again, speaking out against masks on the scale of, you know, of, of things that are important, you know, there are worse things. Um, being in favor of hydrochloroquine, more problematic than speaking out against masks, but still, you know, people are of different medical opinions. That's not the thing. Um, Dr. Stella Emanuel is convinced that, um, there are labs that are using alien DNA. She is anti-alien DNA. I am as well, for, for the record. I am not in favor of using alien DNA. She and I are in lockstep there. Um, but that starts getting you into Kyrie Irving territory. Okay? Um, Kyrie Irving... Uh, I would like to call him a point guard for the Brooklyn Nets, but I mean, he's, he's, he's very, he's a scoring point guard, um, who believes that the earth is flat. Um, so I'm, I'm against alien DNA. I would imagine that many of you are also against alien DNA. Um, but, um, the thing that, that lands her in the, why she got to be black is, um, she claims she claims that um, medical issues such as like infertility, impotence, endometriosis are, are caused by sex with demons. Yeah. I'm not making this up. I haven't gone to watch her YouTube videos. Dr. Stella Emanuel is also a, a preacher. Um, and she's vehemently against sex with demons. I am as well. I mean, so I, it's not that I don't agree with her. I agree that people probably should not be having sex with demons. Um, but I think to attribute um, well-validated um, physical conditions and the, and, and the causes for those things... To, to say that it's because people are having um, people are having intercourse with demons is is problematic. I think at that point I kind of have to look at your position on mask and your position on hydrochloroquine and, and honestly even your position on on the use of alien DNA with a healthy dose of skepticism. Um, and it's what makes it worse is that Trump is like, yeah, this now in his press conference the other day was complaining about Dr. Anthony Fauci and like people like Dr. Anthony Fauci. I don't know why they don't like me. He's complaining about Dr. Fauci and he's lifting up Dr. Stella Emanuel, who's who's, you know, telling kids, you know, save it until marriage and not with a demon. Um, but it's, it's Trump. It's just, I don't know this, this, listen, okay. I don't think I've gone 
too much into Trump in the last couple of episodes. This one will feel heavy on Trump because today, today, your president. So he was tweeting about Dr. Stella Emanuel yesterday. Today, at the time of recording, um, which is a Wednesday, I should know what day it is. I think it's the 29th. Um, so I'm going to actually pull up the tweet. I'm going to do this in real time. Okay. I'm just going to read it and we're going to talk about it. This was earlier today, around 11 noon. Quote, I am happy to inform all of the people living their suburban lifestyle dream Suburban, lifestyle, and dream were all in, were capitalized. The first letters were capitalized. That you will no longer be bothered or financially hurt by having low-income housing built in your neighborhood. Your housing prices will go up based on the market and crime will go down. I have rescinded the Obama-Biden AFFH rule enjoy. Now, the AFFH, affirmative, Affirmatively Furthering Fair Housing Rule, um, was an update to uh, the Fair Housing Act um, from 1968. Um, then President Obama and then Vice President Biden updated that. And today, the president decided that, hey, if you're living, living in a, in a cul-de-sac, don't worry. Those poor people won't get anywhere near you. Um, I don't even know where to start with just how offensive that is. Um, that during a crisis where we just talked about, we've got four and a half million cases of COVID, We've lost over 150,000 people due to COVID. And he is tweeting about protecting soccer moms. He's not concerned about protecting the wall of moms um, who he's been sticking his goons on, um, who Bill Barr had to answer to earlier this week. He's not concerned about them. He is concerned about making sure that we don't have um, low income. And I don't even know, honestly, I don't know what constitutes low income anymore, but everything is so expensive right now. Everything is so expensive. And I, so I don't even know what, what would count as low income. I would imagine he would also not be for workforce housing, but he's doing this in the context of the fact that the protections that were put into place uh, during um, COVID relief, those protecting people from eviction, from losing their their housing, that ended on Friday, the 24th, July 24th. So he's tweeting this out, knowing that people have lost their, their federal protections. He's saying that knowing that on Friday, the unemployment benefits end on July 31st. Benefits that were paying $600 a month, that ends. 
So he's basically telling people, hey, even though these eviction protections have ended, even though unemployment benefits are going to end, don't worry. We will make sure that when they lose their housing, there won't be any affordable housing built near you. You are safe. You know, he did say only he could keep us safe. I guess this is what he meant. Um, I don't... Aren't we tired of... Aren't we just tired of this? Aren't we... I mean, so in in a 48-hour... Not even a 48-hour. In a 36-hour news cycle, the president has promoted a drug that is not FDA approved. Not only is it not FDA approved, the FDA is like, under no circumstances are you to use this. He promotes a physician who is cautioning against the ills of sex with demons. And he's now saying, don't worry, wealthy people. Poor people will not get near you to infect you. And there are people, so-called religious people, so-called people of faith, will say, well, Jerry, Jesus said the poor will always be with you. And I suppose that they're right, is as long as there's racism, there will be poverty. Um, Tom Cotton. Not a very smooth transition, but I'm jumping in it in any way. Tom Cotton got himself into a little bit of a pickle this week. Um, this past weekend, Tom Cotton said in an interview, um, and I may have talked about this, so forgive me if I did, but I'm going to go in on it again. Um, Tom Cotton referred to slavery as a necessary evil. Um, and it just seems to fit, right? It fits. You've got Tom Cotton saying slavery was necessary. You've got the president saying, look, we're not going to put poor people anywhere near you. Um, you've got Supreme Court justices and the Attorney General of the United States trying to circumvent justice. And they don't understand why people are taking to the streets. Streets, excuse me. Um, they don't understand why it would take a wall of moms to put their bodies on the line to to stand up against this this oppressive. And and the thing is, like what Tom Cotton said is not oppressive as much as it is microaggressive. And it's these little jabs. Well, as the founding the founding fathers said, slavery was a necessary evil. It wasn't me saying that. It wasn't you, Tom Cotton then, that is threatening education funding 
for any schools who receive federal funding and also using the 1619 project to give a balanced view in air quotes, i.e. the correct view of history? You, you were just quoting the founding fathers? You didn't actually believe that. Oh, I don't, I don't actually believe that. While I'm trying to ensure that the lie of the lost cause is in fact what is being taught in schools. Here's the thing. There was no such thing ever in life as a happy slave. Just like there is no such thing as a happy poor person or the poor person who is so um, vindictive that they are working the system. Listen, the system for 250 years enslaved people and has been committed for the last 150 years to exploit the crap out of them. That's when you get the president saying, I'm going to end the program to ensure fair local housing. I am not going to lift a finger to extend eviction protections. I haven't lifted a finger to extend unemployment benefits. I am going to approve of restaurant owners taking tips from staff. Can we talk about tipping, by the way? I didn't really know this. I didn't realize that tipping got its origin um, during Reconstruction. It was post-slavery and as a way to avoid um, paying um, recently freed slaves a wage was, was like, oh, the work that you do is not um, wage eligible. It is tip-based. I know I'm oversimplifying. Don't at me for if... if if you are one of these um, kind of lost cause believers, slave reputation, slaveholder reputation protectors, I get it that it was more nuanced than that. But tipping um, got its basis on um, not pay basically a way to avoid paying black folks for their labor. Um, Shout, first of all, can I give a shout out to Nicole Hannah-Jones? I had mentioned 1619, Nicole Hannah-Jones, amazing project, 1619 Project, New York Times. Um, and, you know, but so tipping got its start um, with slavery um, or post-slavery. And, but that's not the only thing. I mean, look, we could do a whole, we could do a whole conversation on uh, the impact of slavery on America's economy. In fact, that our economy, as you know it today, and I, I know I keep talking about it, is based on slavery. Um, but our healthcare system um, has its, at its core, um, uh, a posture towards um, black folks um, that makes you see the outcomes that you're seeing today. There's a reason why uh, a black person is 3.7 times more likely to die of COVID than a white person. I believe for Latinx um, brothers and sisters, um, 
I believe they're two, 2.3 times more likely um, to die of COVID than their white counterparts. And it's because of uh, the whole mindset for um, people of color is that they're labor. Um, and that the goal with labor is what? Of capitalism is what? You keep your overhead low, maximize profits. So health, so healthcare was not a priority for black folks or people of color. And it was the absolute bare minimum necessary. And the, the vitriol that um, the, uh, the ACA or Obamacare, I love the fact that it's Obamacare. I hated it back in the day because it was a slight. I mean, Obamacare was code for in-care. In-word care is, and they couldn't say it. They couldn't say it then. I guarantee, I guarantee you that if it came out today, if say, for some reason, say um, Obama had followed a Donald Trump and he proposed and passed the Affordable Care and Patient Protection Act, um, I think in the era that we're in, they would call it inward care and not Obamacare. But I love that Obamacare thrives. Obamacare has gone nowhere. They keep trying to kill Obamacare. It hasn't gone anywhere. But for the entire time we were slaves, for those 250 years, almost no care. But the battle for health care for slaves and for um, for black folks who were freed slaves after uh, Reconstruction, the battle has been going on for 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 a couple hundred years. Uh, I would high, I can't highly recommend enough. I'm re I'm recommending all the books. So uh, I just recommended 1619 by Nicole Hannah Jones. I recommended two books by Dr. Eva Max Kendi and um, Daniel Dawes' new book. Daniel Dawes, Dawes, D-A-W-E-S, his book, The Political Determinants of Health. Some of you may be familiar with The Social Determinants of Health. Social Determinants of Health, uh, for those of you who don't know, really represents about the 90% of determinants that have nothing to do with an insurance card or access to a doctor. It's things like where you grew up, how you grew up, where you live, where you went to school, did you go to school, if you've been a victim of a crime. It's, it's Maslow's hierarchy. Do you have housing? Do you have um, financial stability? Do you have regular access to healthy food? It's, it's those things that really determine your health. And so we refer to those things often as the social determinants of health. Um, Daniel Dawes goes into talking about how the fight for health care uh, for people of color and for um, exploited people has been going on in this country for hundreds of years and that the Affordable Care Act really uh, was the culmination of decades upon decades upon decades of organized political struggle to get there and really goes into talking about how policy um, really um, impacts your health. I would highly recommend that book if that's something that you that you all are interested in. Um, but 
the bare minimum healthcare uh, that we see, the results that we're seeing from COVID is all a result of um, the, the transatlantic slave trade. It has its roots in that. So when you see COVID-19 and you're wondering why are black folks, why are Latinx folks, why are people who are Asian and people who are Pacific Island backgrounds, why are they, um, why are they uh, having a more adverse effect to COVID-19 than white folks? Well, it goes back to uh, this country's exploitation of people of color for labor. So when Tom Cotton says that it was a necessary evil to build this union, referring to slavery, he's not wrong in the sense that without free labor from black folks, and then ultimately uh, I would consider, you know, I, I just consider, um, you know, the bringing of, of Asian workers to build a railroad, the exploitation of native folks, like it's all exploitation, whether it's slave labor, whether it was essentially free or damn near free labor, it was essential to build the economy and to build the union that we have. Um, but it wasn't necessary to, to actually have the system that we have. It wasn't necessary for us to be a capitalist society. I love capitalism. I'm not going to sit here and lie. I don't want to be a socialist. I don't want to be a communist. I, 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 I do believe in the free market. What I'm saying is it wasn't necessary for this country to be based on capitalism. So if you're going to say it was a necessary evil, call it for what it is. It's like we needed to exploit white people, needed to exploit black people, needed to exploit um, indigenous people, needed to exploit Latinx people needed to exploit um, Asian Pacific Island people in order for us to make a crap ton of money. Just say it. But don't don't say it and then say, well, that's not what I'm saying. That is what you're saying. And don't say it and then at the same time try to force school districts into promoting a lie in perpetuating a myth about who we are as a country. Don't do that. Man up. Say what you're say what you're say what you're trying to say and keep it moving. I don't know when Tom Cotton is up for re-election for my listeners in Arkansas, but I know you know and you need to make them pay. Um, he is, he is considered widely to be a darling of the GOP and would be an early front runner for the presidential GOP nomination in 2024. You got to make sure that never happens because as far as, I don't know, I don't know him personally. I will probably not meet him. Uh, he just seems like he is, he's, he holds on to and actively promotes a lot of racist ideas and he and I would never get along. I'll just put it like that. Uh, I'm done talking about Tom Cotton. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's just where we're at. 
So I had a fun intro. I'm sure I screwed it up. I'm sure it doesn't sound that great. Um, it wasn't fun talking about this, by the way. Um, I enjoy being with you. Uh, I don't necessarily enjoy having to talk about this, but we have to, right? Um, we're going to keep talking about it until, until there's change. Um, speaking of change here in Missouri, Tuesday in, in Tuesday, probably in primaries all across the country, August 4th vote, vote. Uh, I believe now we are 97 days away from the, uh, as of, as of July 29th, I believe we're 97 days away from the presidential election. Do me this favor, will you? Uh, make sure you're eligible to vote. Just confirm it. Make sure you're eligible. Okay. Um, once you find out you're eligible and you'll find out pretty quickly, make sure you're registered. Um, and, and make sure your voting place hasn't changed. Um, and just keep checking in on that. And then finally, you're going to need to make a voting plan for whenever your next primary is and for the general election. Um, the thing with COVID, we don't know how things are going to play out. Um, we don't know if we'll be on shutdown by then. We don't know if we will have successfully beat down the president's attempt to declare martial law in cities and states across the country. Um, but start making a plan and keep that plan updated. Um, you know, find out if you, if you need to do a mail-in ballot, figure out how to do that. I know in our state, Missouri, you ha those have to be notarized. Um, so make sure you, you have a plan. Make sure you, you do it do it right. We want to make sure that every vote counts. Um, you know, I usually try to end an episode on, and I'm sorry if it feels like I've been yelling. I'm just kind of hyped up. I'm a little animated right now. Um, um, but I usually try to end on this day in history, people's birthdays. Um, today, all I can say is that today is, is National Hot Wing Day. And to celebrate that, um, I'm doing a pork shoulder in the crock pot because I didn't know that today um, was National Hot Wing Day. So if you can, um, get those hot wings. Um, enjoy them. Um, and, uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, someone asked me the other day, someone asked me if, if bone in or I'm sorry, bone out wings or boneless wings count. Clearly they don't clearly. Right. I mean, either it's a wing or it's not a wing. If there's no bone, there's no wing. Um, anyway. I am done. I am done rambling. Um, I am so glad you were here. Again, do me a couple favors, will you? Subscribe to the show. Uh, the next one, the sound will be better. I will kind of have figured out a little bit more about GarageBand and walk-up music. Give us a five-star rating, even though I don't deserve it. <laughs> I just want it. I really want your five-star rating. Um, check out those books, Doctor Eva Makes Kindy. 
um, Daniel Dawes, and Daniel Jones, um, and make a I got there's a lot of guys. Thank you, and I cannot wait.